Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. So the Dolphins are the number one seed in the AFC. And guys, all the hype has been surrounding Tyree Kill, Tua, and the offense. And obviously they've been great. But the Dolphins' defense was amazing against Washington on Sunday. And it's been three straight games for this defense of limiting opponents to 15 or less. Still, guys, the main criticism of the team this year has been whether or not they can beat you know, good teams. There are three losses this season coming against the Chiefs, Eagles, and Bills. You're looking at their remaining schedule now, so above 500. So we're going to see. We're going to see if they can beat good teams. Guys, they do have the Titans on Monday Night Football. Um, That is what's coming up next for them. So they should win that one, but then how do we feel about the rest of their tough schedule coming up? Cowboys, Ravens, Bills. Yeah, we talk about this a lot with college football this season, Dad, how the football will kind of take care of a lot of the questions that we have. And thankfully for us, the close to the NFL season feels like a lot of the same in terms of, hey, these teams that we've got some questions about, the Dallas Cowboys, what are they in a world post that 49ers beat down the Miami Dolphins and their record against teams that are above 500 that are considered quality, the Buffalo Bills trying to state their case for down the stretch of the season. Like Starting this weekend, we've got a bunch of really compelling matchups that are going to help answer a lot of those questions. And for the Dolphins, Dad, I, I, I never really looked at it as much as oh, they've got a, a good team problem or a big game problem as much as they had a specific matchup problem really tied to injury for them. So much of the Dolphins season has been shuffling bodies in and out as we focused on Tyree Kill, who's an MVP candidate, on Tua who's, Tua, who's playing guitar for the Mannings and the Manning cast, and all the things that usually are the buzz with that offense. The offensive line has constantly had to shuffle bodies this season, and when they've run into a healthier version of the Buffalo Bills defensive front, a healthier version of the Eagles, Eagles defensive front that are physically designed to take advantage of that they've had issues with that because they were cracked along the foundation and so I do think there's more practical explanation for the Dolphins lack of success at times than we've given it credit for you know we talk about that uh the latest team we talked about that with Philly when they had injured secondary now they have injured linebackers where they bring in Shaq Leonard uh, who was released from from the Colts so it it is about weathering the storm we go all the way back to San Francisco when they had Debo out and Trent Williams they go on a three-game losing streak but they're healthy now so can Miami how healthy can you be toward the end of the season you know you got your two-headed monster running uh, attack back again and I don't think because and I get it Two has been playing well. Tyreek, you know, I think between Tyreek and Christian McCaffrey, you talk about the two front runners for Offensive Player of the Year and also a couple of names you could put in the uh, MVP conversation uh, as well. And you forget this is a top 10 defense. It's a top six defense. The defense has been playing well. Uh, they're t- and they're top 10 in pass and run as well. Top six overall. They have 41 sacks, so they're getting to the quarterback. I know Phillips getting nicked, uh, you know, hurt certainly doesn't help uh, that defense because that's a guy that's been absolutely everywhere. And to see that injury again, I mean, it's kind of like we went through it with Aaron Rodgers, right? Where you just saw that calf just kind of quiver and you, and you know that's what it is. And it happened to Phillips coming out of the stance. I mean, just. Just so, so, such a, a shame for them. 
But that defense, I, I, I really don't think, because of the talk of the offense, gets enough credit for what they're doing. As you said, uh, Jesse said, they hold on to the number one spot right now. So talk about controlling your own destiny. And that's what everybody in the AFC wants to see. They want to see Patrick Mahomes have to go on the road in the playoffs, something he has not had to do in his entire career. And Jesse also pointed out the schedule there. There's going to be a chance because they play the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore does control their own destiny in terms of the one overall seed in the AFC with that matchup later on the docket and how right. their situation right. season's been situated, also sitting there at 9-3. and three. But, Dad, you're right defensively. This is what we expected, right? When Vic Fangio came over, it was one of the biggest headlines of the offseason was this marriage of a coordinator who's been the architect of a lot of the schemes that we've seen around the NFL, majority too high safety looks, all the way that they've oriented to try and stop the big play passing attacks from the NFL offenses that have been so popular, mixed with the great personnel that we saw playing last year for a very different-looking Dolphins defense. But... While they're going to be some of the headline in this, Dad, I feel like we're starting to get to the juncture of the season now where the MVP debate is really going to take center stage. And it seems so tied to just really, and we've, we've lamented this for the, the uh, Heisman in college, but for the NFL MVP, it really has this year in terms of the odds seemed like, hey, who's the best player on the best team currently? You had Jalen Hurts there right. before this past weekend as the guy near the top of that. Brock Purdy now, according to DraftKings Sportsbook, takes over with the top betting odds just in front of Jalen and Hurts for this after they beat them down in Philadelphia. Dak Prescott, Tua, Patrick Mahomes, and Lamar Jackson following close behind that. And, Dad, it always feels like Brock Purdy and, Ty and Tua Tungavailoa are going to occupy a very similar space when it comes to this MVP conversation because their success is so closely tied into two coordinators in Mike McDaniel and certainly in Kyle Shanahan that are among the best in football that affords you such a big advantage and also feature an offense that's got a Christian McCaffrey, a Tyreek Hill, George yeah. Kittle, Debo Samuel, on and on down the list. There are so many parts with that. It's hard to pull this out. So how valid do you think, Dad, Brock Purdy as the leader of the MVP debate is right now as a real idea? I Listen, it's it, it, this is what you're supposed to do. I, I always love when I hear people, when you talk about a great coach, and they say, oh, go coach a bad team, and that prove what a great coach you are. Why? Look at all the championship coaches and the top coaches. They've coached great teams. That's the whole idea, is to surround yourself with great players. It's not Brock Purdy's fault that he has all that talent around him. Give him credit for what he's doing. You know, it's not every year that you're going to look to, okay, who's the player out there that's doing the most with the least? We know how this one works. Normally a quarterback, normally for a top team. That's Brock Purdy right now. And I just wonder if the voters will actually vote for him or if, if they let that come into – and these are human voters, just like we talk about the, the college football committee. They're human, so what – does each one of them have in their mind as it's just like the MVP take them off MVP most valuable player what does that mean take them off the team and how bad would the team be well you could say that about just about anybody any team if you took their star off they think the MVP should be and I do not think Brock Purdy should be penalized because he has a great team around him well I'm not saying penalize him I think this is ultimately always the problem with Brock Purdy is it's a binary. It's either you think he is terrible or you think he should be the MVP. And if you think he's terrible, then you're a hater. And if you think he should be the MVP, you're out of your mind. There can never be a middle ground because you said you need to give him credit. Yeah, I think we do need to give him credit. Brock Purdy absolutely is playing exemplary quarterback right now in the NFL. Through this point in the season, Brock Purdy is the leader in QBR in the NFL, completion percentage in the NFL, and yards per attempt in the NFL. I also think it's fair to acknowledge when you watch those games, there's a lot of butt-naked, wide-open ass throws in there because yeah. Kyle Shanahan's yeah. an incredible offensive coordinator yep. and because you've got an arsenal of weapons that most people could never dream of. And so the job of voters and the people who watch and the reason I think there's always such a discrepancy is everybody who watches as a fan largely sees oh he's doing really well he comes from a background that wasn't the first team you know the first guy off the bus he wasn't a first round draft pick and so we normally do the assign all the credit or all the blame to the quarterback thing and with him it's felt a little bit different but 
for all the people that parse through and who watch this and who digest a ton of film, it's also hard to ignore, Dad, that what he's asked to do at times is not as difficult as what some of his counterparts are asked to do to lift their teams in certain spots. And so factoring that into, if we're saying, no, he's a very good quarterback versus are we saying he's the best player in the NFL, that's where I think we're allowed to have some conversations about what's around him, what's schemed open for him, and how much of this is actually him versus that. Not saying he's a bad quarterback, but also saying we're talking about the MVP of the freaking league now. As I said, each individual, just like you, you have a Heisman vote. So what's your criteria? You know, I think Jaden Daniels is going to win. Is it because Jaden Daniels did more with less? When I say less, believe me, I'm not including neighbors, okay? Because that dude is incredible, that wide receiver. Well, but you look at the weapons Bo but he's, had he's, he's the perfect had. example, Dad, is he's got two NFL receivers on his team, and still, when you watch LSU, you say the gravity of the field tilts and is different because of the presence of Jaden Daniels on that field. Do you say similar things about Brock Purdy, or is that even an accurate or fair way to measure that? Well, I mean, we don't know. We haven't seen another court. We saw a quarterback in there in the NFC Championship game that wasn't Brock Purdy, and how did that go? Well, I mean, we've seen it the last however many years. Like Jimmy Garoppolo, people were arguing quarterback wins for Jimmy G, and oh, he's this great guy when he's healthy on the field, and then he went over to Vegas, and it collapsed famously very quickly. Like, I do feel like that's an appropriate point to bring up in this conversation, that yes, we've seen other quarterbacks have success in Shanahan's offense. We've seen it very recently here. Brock Purdy is doing more with the offense than a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo was. Absolutely. He has played probably the best quarterback of a non-Matt Ryan quarterback in a Kyle Shanahan offense that we've seen, but we have seen other people have success in this offense. We've seen a bunch of them. Yeah, I, you know, listen, you could say it to a varying degree in every team. C.D. Lamb's one of the top receivers in the league that Dak Prescott has. Dak Prescott has that offensive line healthy again for the first time in a long time. In Philadelphia, A.J. Brown is setting franchise records as a receiver. And, oh, by the way, you have Devontae Smith. And, oh, by the way, the best offensive line in football as well. So you could make cases for others. Now, I get it that the, the, the cupboard is really full in San Francisco when you start winning that but you can make a case for each team about in Tua having Waddle having Tyreek Hill having the two-headed running attack that they have so that that argument can go for a lot of teams it's just by what degree to the degree does Brock Purdy have the most talent around him yes he does but it's not like the other ones are doing it you know it's not like the others are, are 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 quarterbacking the Jets and somehow making chicken salad out of chicken you know what or the Patriots you know that's not happening they have a pretty good talent around them as well probably with the exception of Mahomes right now right I think that's the one we all look up and admit like that team is basically him and Travis Kelsey and you know you got it. When, you, when the third item on your list is, and they've got an incredible interior offensive line, you're probably yeah. not dealing with the same stocked barrel of goods as everybody else. And I think that's part of it, too, is that is if you're going to talk about the best quarterback in the NFL, like you're not putting Brock Purdy at the top of that list, right? If you were ranking quarterbacks right now in the NFL and were tasked with doing that, you wouldn't have Brock Purdy as the number one quarterback on your list, right? Where would you have him? Uh, I would probably have him somewhere in the top 10. I don't know if I would have him as a top five quarterback right now, no. Okay. I mean, so you're, you're putting a lot on the talent he has around him then. You're basically saying he's, a, you're basically saying he's like a system quarterback. No, I'm saying he's a top 10 quarterback. That's not the same thing at all. I'm saying he certainly benefits from the system. I'm saying there's things within it that he does to elevate, but I'm saying on their best day, are there other quarterbacks that I would absolutely have above him? Absolutely. Would you take Brock Purdy over Lamar Jackson if you were starting a team right now or putting him into a team? No, doubt oh. you would. Would you put him over Josh Allen in that same spot? No. Listen. Uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes in the same spot, a healthy Joe Burrow. No, you wouldn't take I, him over those guys. I am absolutely with you, and let's just go back through the list of MVPs. MVP over the years and let's ask if those were the best quarterbacks in the league that we thought of at the time and I bet a decent amount of times we're going to say no uh, that they weren't so it comes down to the year your stats and how good your team is doing that's how this thing's been voted on forever forever but I don't think Brock Purdy is going to get the love that other quarterbacks bigger named quarterbacks and higher pick quarterbacks are going to get well and do you think that's wrong 
I, it's tough for me to say it's wrong because how many voters are there? You, you can, you can, as I. Just, but I'm saying, what? What's your opinion? What's your opinion of it? What do you think of him? My way would be going who I think is the best quarterback in the league, not necessarily the best stats. I would look at the surrounding areas as well, but I would I would watch because we watch enough of it. Is I would try and pick who I think is the best quarterback, and it may not be. But like for Brock Purdy in this particular instance, right now, if you had a vote to cast and you said you're voting on the MVP of the NFL right now, is it him? Is it somebody else? Like who on this list? Is it Tyreek Hill like so many people want to do right now? Because I think this has become the – again, this is the difficult part. And I understand that like this is already like a spot where like some 49ers fan could clip this out of comp- uh, out of context and all of a sudden you sound like a hater. It's not. Like I do think Brock Purdy is a very good NFL quarterback, but I think the difficulty has been for everyone trying to figure out how much because absolutely where he was drafted factors into how he was perceived. This would be a lot easier conversation, I think, for a lot of people if he just had a one next to his name and he was picked highly in the draft and he went out here and had this kind of success. But at the same time, Tua did have a one next to his name in the NFL draft, and we still look at Tua before Mike McDaniel, Tua after Mike McDaniel, and say, hey, listen, we should probably give him some of the same benefit of the doubt that we give a guy like Trevor Lawrence who walked into a bad situation, looked bad with a bad coach, and then got a good coach and started to work well. Like you said, I don't want to penalize guys for having weapons, for having quality coaching, for having things around them that you need as a baseline for success in the NFL. CCJ Stroud right now too, but I also don't want to just make it as simple as, well, the team's really good and the offense is really good, so the quarterback's got to be the only reason for that. We're allowed to look deeper, and the people whose eyes I trust who look deeper on a lot of these things still seem like a split decision when it comes to Brock Purdy, the football player, not Brock Purdy, the idea, not a split decision on if he's bad or good, but just how good we're talking in this conversation. I would I, I would definitely non-quarterback lean Tyreek Hill, just the game changer that he's can be, and let's see if he gets over 2,000 yards, which would be incredible. You ask me right now, I would probably say Dak Prescott. Dak's having a monster year, especially because you you put it in the glaring comparison of last year with 15 turnovers. He's only .1 in completion percentage behind Brock Purdy, actually, and then he's second to him in quarterback rating. He has more touchdown passes, same amount of interceptions, and he's playing phenomenal right now. So if you ask me to pick one, I, I to me, I would go between Tyree Kill and Dak Prescott. I would agree. I I think right now the juncture we're at with Dak Prescott, I was surprised, especially given the Cowboys of it all, that when you look, he is currently uh, tied with Jalen Hurts for second in the MVP odds and was fourth as recently as last week. So you've had plenty of good opportunities there. Again, I think this whole conversation is poison because for 49ers fans, it's become such a weird nerve issue. And with quarterback in general, Dad, there's so much ego tied to fan bases and quarterback because it's seen as the easiest way to lift your franchise. And being perceived as one of the teams that has a great one. Hell, we ran into this when we just didn't automatically say in the offseason that Joe Burrow was the same level of quarterback as Patrick Mahomes because he's not because no one is on his best day right now as we look at football. Has it been a little bit of a struggle for them this year? Absolutely. But still more often than not, when we whittle it down, we see him as the best. And even that prompted a bad response from fans because they want to be seen as, oh, we've solved that problem because we've told everyone and because it is largely viewed as the hardest problem to solve in sports. When in actuality, when most cases, we're just crediting the rest of your roster because you're allowed to have good players at other positions too because that's a cool thing that the 49ers should be pumped about, that the Dolphins should be pumped about, that anyone who's got those players should be excited about, not just look at it as, as, oh, you don't think my quarterback's the best, so now all of a sudden you're this vicious hater yeah i and and i think uh you know how we keep doing uh our top four just like college football in the nfl and it completely changes all the time i think the odds for the mvp will change as well because you have philly against dallas this week jalen against Dak, and i think if if the cowboys win this game and Dak has a good game i think Dak will go to the top and be the odds on favorite i think i because i know jesse said right now it's brock purdy i think Dak will be the number one guy uh, if he has a good game in this one, I'm so looking forward to going to this game and seeing how Philly responds to getting just their their butts kicked by San Francisco, which, oh, by the way, kicked Dallas's butts uh, as well. So uh, those odds are, are, yeah, are a few days away from changing yet again. 
Yeah, and that's why this feels kind of weird because in terms of and like odds aren't the voters and odds aren't what's actually going to happen. It's, you know, the public's perception and all that, but it's just felt like, all right, who won the most recently? Who's got a really good record? Who can we point to? And, you know, statistically is within range. And and certainly, again, that's not discounting any of their MVP cases, but this was true when Jalen Hurts was sitting at number one MVP odds. He didn't look like he was playing any even close right. to his best nope. football at that point. He's been hurt. The offense has changed. They haven't had Dallas Goddard out there, and he hasn't overcome that in a way that you would expect of an MVP right now. I was That's the thing I want to make clear. All of the same questions I'm asking about Brock Purdy, and probably fewer, Brock Purdy's played better than Jalen Hurts through the early portion of this season. Period. Yep. End of sentence. Point blank. But when D Jalen Hurts was at the top of this, I said, we should probably ask questions because Dak Prescott looks like he's playing the best football right now. And I think this is more of a conversation with Brock Purdy than it was with Jalen Hurts at this juncture. Now, I'm not going, uh, I think I saw David Carr with the NFL Network say that the Eagles needed to go with um, Marcus Mariota as the backup right now quarterback, which, no, not going to no. co-sign that take. But uh, all that is to say, it's not just best quarterback on best team right now. Uh, coming up next, we will take a look at some changes proposed by the NCAA in a bright new world next. Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge, you grab the bull by the horns, you find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice-cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options. And I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. So the NCAA has proposed new NIL rules, okay? So NCAA President Charlie Baker proposed these rule changes yesterday that would allow Division I schools for the first time to pay their athletes in ways that are not tied to educational resources. So, uh, guys, this proposal, you can see the statement here. It's time for us, the NCAA, to offer our own forward-thinking framework. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm very confused by the proposed rules, okay? <laughs> and I would love for you to attempt to explain them to me because I read this article three times and it was like, it, it was like pigeon tracks in the snow. I just don't, I don't get it. <laughs> and I'm going to be honest about that. And, and, and Jesse, I think that's kind of the idea. Okay. Because yep. when you read through this, it's the beginning of something. It's the start of a conversation. Quite frankly, Dad, this gives me nostalgia because this is the NCAA that I grew up with. How are we going to run from our problems and the eventuality that we are most afraid of? We're going to do it by conceding along the way certain things that sound and feel good and feel like the direction we're supposed to go towards here, but aren't quite giving up the full goods. And in this case, the eventuality they're afraid of is a bunch of courts telling them that these athletes have been employees and then right. all of the lawsuits that are barking down the NCAA's door right now are going to become a financial reality for them because that's really what this is. At the end of the day, strip away everything else that you think about college athletics. Charlie Baker's trying to make sure that the NCAA doesn't get sued into the ground right now because as we've seen, there's a ton of pressure surrounding that right now. Nicole Arbach at The Athletic did a great write-up on this the other day. 
Multiple lawsuits are aimed at the economic structure of college athletics right now, she writes, and are working their way through courts in a legal environment that appears more supportive than athletes' rights than ever before. The National Labor Relations Board is proceeding with an unfair labor practice charge filed against USC, the Pac-12, and the NCAA to try and categorize players as employees, while the NCAA and its power conferences are facing what could be the costliest antitrust case in college sports history as defendants in a class action lawsuit, House versus the NCAA. NCAA seek as much as three billion dollars in retroactive nil and broadcast revenue payments so that's what's really happening here dad is charlie baker walked into this job and said oh my god they want to bankrupt us we've got to do something about this so what have people been talking about autonomous power five breakaway the big time conferences and schools breaking away to do their own thing and so that's essentially what they've proposed here in their own special way is a new subdivision full of teams that decide you know what we do want to pay these players, but we don't want to have to call them employees. And so we'll create these fun funds and we'll let schools sign NIL deals directly with their athletes. And we'll let these schools opt into the idea that they believe athletes should be getting money. And then they'll try and disguise it in a way that doesn't get them sued under antitrust disputes and doesn't make them acknowledge these athletes as employees. That to me is exactly what's happening here. Yeah, so this is the NCAA. Remember way back when, when NIA was coming out, and the term I've been using is they, they Pontius piloted it. They washed their hands of it, and they said, you conferences or government, you guys deal with this. We're not dealing with it. And now they got, they got crackback blocked on, right? All of a sudden, the lawsuits are against them. They're looking at three bill. They're like, wait a minute, is that with a B that you're coming after us? So maybe we better find a way to get involved in this because they were too afraid or whatever back when, when to do it. Because, you know, listen, we all have fun taking pot shots at the NCAA, but they deserve a lot of it and they brought a lot of it on themselves. So now they're in rescue mode of this thing. Okay, how do we salvage this? So, and it's not all of a sudden we pay the players and they can still get NIL deals. They want to control it all. And real quickly, the proposal right now is schools in the new highest paying subdivision will be required to set aside a minimum of 30000 per athlete for at least half their athletes on an annual basis that could be used for continuing educational pursuits, but there is no requirement on how they spend it. So they guise it in, use it for your future studies, but you can go, you know, you know, <clears throat> go buy a great meal or whatever, or buy a car. You can do that with it as well. Now, there are things in this, there, there's many questions in this. There also includes a Title IX where it has to be equal with men and women. And again, Mike, right out of the gate, football is going to throw the women's sports and the men's sports, which I'm completely for. Listen, I, 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 am complete, I completely get that. But when football has 85 scholarship players, there's no match to that on the women's side. So that's going to be an interesting hurdle because I want the women to get paid as well like the men get paid. But how they offset that, is it going to be they're still not going to be employees there? It's just going to be NIL deals. Uh, and those other ones, then how do they end the other ones that have already been signed outside the collective? This is just the NCA wanting to control everything again because they, they let it go and then they found out this is going to cost us big time. So how can we regain control the only thing out of this mike that i really like and i feel feel has to happen i think you do too division one football has got to separate they are, and, and if they if and when they separate i hope the pac-12 schools that went to the big 10 and the two that went to the acc can go back and you can form the pac-12 again so you know cal doesn't have to travel you know to rutgers and rutgers doesn't have to travel to cal and and i, I it's it's a ridiculous thing you know that they have to oh, well, they're in the acc i'm sorry stanford cal i believe in the acc yeah. so you you get what i'm saying I get what you're saying. I still don't know if this satisfies it, though. This is one of the things that we don't know is, is this an individual decision that each school gets to make about opting in to this new subdivision right. of Division One football? Is it a conference-based uh, decision? How will that affect other sports? Because it sounds like, because you have to have a minimum of 30000 per athlete in at least half the sports, it sounds like it's going to have to be a collective decision made for every sport in the athletic department, not just what people have proposed saying, hey, 
football, go do your own thing. And the rest of us here will work in the normal world of sports. This seems kind of like an all or nothing proposition right now. And that's why I reiterate, this is the beginning of a conversation that Charlie Baker, the new NCAA president, is trying to start. This isn't the final goal or the final way that I think this is going to look because there are just too many questions like that for how this is going to go. They mentioned schools being able to sign NIL deals with players. Does that mean that the collectives will now be even more directly tied to and run by the schools than they are right now where the schools can be associated, but they can't necessarily bring them in-house in the same ways? Those are all questions we still haven't seen answered. The bottom line here is these schools are trying to avoid being sued for being for having employees that they don't want to call employees. That's what right. this boils down to. And much like when Shabazz Napier once said, we're going to bed hungry, so the NCAA changed their rules about what you could feed athletes and when, but didn't start paying them outright at that point, they're trying to seed ground right here. And Dad, I don't know if this is going to be a case of too little too late where everybody involved is going to say, this doesn't satisfy things the way that we want. It is too complicated. And the system that we have now is going to persist because they still haven't presented a compelling enough re- or a compelling enough response. Well, that, that's always the thing, too, with the NCA is the time it takes. We keep talking about the Michigan case where the Big Ten came down to discipline Harbaugh, but when will the NCA do it? We, we joke about it being in 2026. You know, but what, what's one of the other things the NCA loves is control. And one of the things they have been bummed about through this NIL is all the money that the alumni would usually give to the school. They're giving a lot of that to the collective now, to a, a separate group from the school that is spending it on the athletes. And the schools aren't getting some of that money now. Now, this money would go to the school and put in their collective, and they now control the money and how it gets dispersed. Uh, but there, there's still so many hurdles uh, to, to, to jump over in this thing. But it's classic NCAA. Uh, we're trying not to be involved. Somebody else make the decision. Oh, wait, you're going to sue us? Okay, let's try and regain control of this and act like we've been trying to do this all along and make it so confusing uh, to, to instead see of what the reality of what's happening. It's just, it, it's just a mess. Well, I do feel for Charlie Baker in the sense that he's cleaning up somebody else's mess right now. Like yeah, he, very you know, true. He walked very into true. this situation much like George Klievkov did with the Pac-12, a situation that Larry Scott had made for them out in that conference that he had to answer for, but ultimately is still going to be judged by the decisions he makes from here on out. Now, is there anything to salvage? I don't know. It's a decent place to start. But ultimately, to me, what's presented here right now still has a ways to go before it's anything that can be really useful to what's going on here. Coming up next, though, we had a conversation about the NFL MVP, Tua Tungavailoa, and the Dolphins defense. So let's talk to a member of that Dolphins defense. Brandon Jones going to join us coming up here next on Gojo and Golden. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans, we feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, welcome back to Gojo and Golik. We've talked a lot about the NFL's MVP race today, about the one seed currently in the AFC, Miami Dolphins. And so we're very excited with that in mind to welcome in our next guest, uh, safety for the Miami Dolphins, 
Brandon Jones kind enough to join us now. And Brandon, before we get to your current team right now, everything going on with you guys and the Dolphins, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask how we're feeling about your alma mater and the Texas Longhorns finally punching a ticket to the big dance in the college football playoff right now. I'd imagine that feels good to be able to puff your chest out in the locker room right now with that in mind. Trust me, it was only a matter of time at this point. And there was a lot of talk going around. I've been trying to tell people that their time was going to come. And it finally came. I actually called it. I, I knew I knew uh, Bama was going to beat Georgia. I just had a, a weird feeling about it, you know. And I knew once we – just to see, like, what we've been doing to other Big 12 teams, like literally beating them by so many points, like – it was only a matter of time. So I'm very happy for those guys, and uh, they definitely deserve it. They just turned off the lights on you. So, so we'll, we'll get the light back on <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they didn't, they didn't like that answer, I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm wondering. Well, I was so, going to say, listen, that's the Big 12 media trying to shut that down yeah. since you guys are going to go join the SEC next year. They were trying to shut the lights yeah. out on you guys <laughs> because you've been having too much that's fun. That's what it is. I, I'm, just, I'm wondering – Listen, I, I get you're happy. You're, you're running a mate in the secondary there. Deshaun Elliott, uh, happy as well, the Texas guys. But from a football player's standpoint, to tr- if you can separate from Texas, your thoughts on FSU doing everything they were asked to do, going undefeated Power 5 and winning the conference and not getting in, of just as a football player, how devastating that has to be. Yeah, that, it's super devastating, especially because, like you said, being an undefeated team, you would think it's almost a no-brainer for a Power 5 team to be in the playoffs. Um, I was actually talking to my wife about it, and apparently I didn't see like when they announced um, the four teams, but apparently they, which I don't, I didn't know it was a rule, but apparently like they take into consideration players that are playing Yes. Which I, di- I honestly didn't know that that was a thing. Sorry, these lights are like automatic and they keep going off. <laughs> uh, they don't like any, of my, any of my answers today, they're like, not. <laughs> hold on, let me, let me, let me try to move room real quick. <laughs> there we go. We're getting a small tour of the Dolphins facility in the process right now for everyone listening to the show here okay. with Brandon Jones walking us through right now this is the inside look at what the number one team in the afc is living yeah. like during the week here. saving energy <laughs> all right i think i think we're good here if the lights go off here guys i don't, I don't know what to say i think it's just a, a curse at this point no worries. Uh, but we're yeah it's, it. it's definitely um devastating for them um and i and i feel for them because i couldn't imagine you would think like hey we we are undefeated we um we won our conference the conference championship like it almost should be a no-brainer. So the fact that they didn't get in is is devastating. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, you know, former Florida State alum, and he's, you know, said his piece and had his remarks about the whole situation. So I'm, I hear it every day. That oh, we would have made it, we would have won for sure, all this stuff. So uh, very familiar. Uh, There we go. So you've gotten more than a few Florida State takes during this past week here. So we'll give you a reprieve from some more of those. And we'll ask you about where you guys are at right now. And I'm curious for you, I feel like in this secondary, when Vic Fangio came over this offseason to become your guys' defensive coordinator, you guys were probably going to feel this change as much as anybody. So what has the schematic change for you guys from year to year been like going from what you guys were running last year to now this system that Vic Fangio's installed? Yeah, it's definitely a um, a complete 180. You know, we go from being one of the the highest uh, pressure teams when it comes to not only blitzing guys off the edge and um, outside linebackers, but bringing DBs. I think we were leading with DB blitzes in the league too uh, the last couple of years. So it was um, a lot different um, for me just being in that scheme and stuff for three years and now coming to this where we play true too high, like it's very rare for the safety to to blitz. And if we do have pressures for corners and nickels, like it's only a certain amount of time they do it versus on situation and, you know, down and distance and stuff like that. But it also has given us, even though it is very complex, like it's one of those things where you have to go through practice. You have to get those actual reps to be able to understand and be able to do your job at a at 100%. 
Um, but once you get a, a really good feel for it, I think now I've gotten really comfortable with it. You can kind of, there's a kind of like a freestyle aspect that comes with it where um, do your job plus a little bit more at the same time. And it's not in the, you know, the, the call sheet or the rule book to do this and then do that. But everybody's in a way like accounting for, like, I know you're not supposed to be there, but like I'm counting on you to be there. You know, right. so it, it's definitely it's it's been different, but it's it's been super fun, um, and and I've enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, less less safety blitzes means you get to concentrate more on interceptions than sacks, which is okay uh, as well. How about overall your defense? Your offense gets talked about all the time because of the personnel on it. Do you feel the defense is underappreciated? You're a top six defense in the NFL. Yeah, um, I mean, rightfully so. I mean, our offense is. It's literally a, a, a track team on the football field. Um, I'm glad that I don't have to go against them on Sunday. Uh, I'd probably have nightmares thinking about because you you like there's no way you can go like double somebody if you want to. You're leaving Waddle on his own. You know you're leaving Raheem on his own, Braxton on his own. We have a number of guys, and uh, rightfully so, they deserve all the you know the praise that they're getting because they put up crazy numbers crazy yardage each game um but you know the the defense is we've gotten better we've gotten a lot better and i think uh to a point it's like we know and understand our standard and as long as we're doing that and we're doing our job and we're showing people how good we can be i think that's good enough for us like the defense is always like it's like the like the dark side of football you know you don't expect to get praise and you don't look for praise um but you know deep down like yeah like we're we're, we're a top five defense and the the ones who are supposed to know absolutely know i'm with you on that in a league that certainly caters to the offense i think you're absolutely right there uh, brandon we've only got about a minute left and i wanted to make sure that we got to this everyone's seen the different cleats around the nfl right now the my cause my cleats has been a, a big thing there and i know for you uh you're using that platform to support texas against fentanyl as the organization there why is that so important to you yeah, it's uh, it's really important. My one of my best friends, he Sam Ellinger, plays quarterback for the Colts, and um, his brother ended up passing away from fentanyl poisoning a couple years ago. So it's it's kind of a thing that it's it's I wouldn't necessarily say it's been around for a while, but within the last couple years, it's been you know it's been really taking over. Uh, the country and I think a lot of people don't realize like the impact that it truly has and just the significance and how deadly you know fentanyl could be I've seen that literally like the tip of a like the tip of a pin like that amount of fentanyl can end up somebody can end up losing their life because of it so um, it only made sense uh, they're like my second family uh, his mom and his brother Jake the one that passed uh, they were literally like home, my, my home away from home when I was in college. So uh, it only made sense for me to just to put that out there for the world and for people to realize that, you know, it's a thing and it's real. And it's it's uh, yeah. something as small as that. I was always I was so surprised yeah. and like, damn, like that amount can literally like take yeah. somebody's life. And I think yeah. if you could do anything yeah. you can to prevent that and kind of build that awareness, I think it, it can only help. Uh, well, we're certainly glad that you're shining a light on that because you're absolutely right. Absolutely. Everyone's seeing now the full scope of just how devastating that can be. Uh, Brandon, we know you guys got a busy week right now defending that one seed from here on out. Thanks so much for giving us some time. Congratulations on all the success and best of luck, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys. Hopefully I can get this light situation fixed. I gotta talk to somebody. <laughs> there we go. You know what? The Dolphins Wi-Fi, very sturdy, is what we've learned throughout this interview. So congrats on that. <laughs> they, don't, they don't like Big 12 teams either, so. <laughs> no, exactly. Big 12 haters with strong Wi-Fi. Right. All right, time to finish off the show the way we always do. This, that, and the third. Three quick stories to send you guys off into your day. 
as always make sure you download subscribe rate review leave us that five star rating and uh, try and check us out live monday through friday from 8 to 10 a.m eastern here on the DraftKingsNetwork.com, DraftKings youtube channel samsung tv plus and more but if for some reason you've got to miss it Make sure you check us out and all of our great guests like Charlotte Wilder, the co-host of Oddball with Amin L. Hassan, and Brandon Jones, Miami Dolphins safety, the number one seed in the AFC, one of the top defenses in the NFL. You can catch them wherever you get your podcasts or right here on the DraftKings YouTube channel. When you subscribe to that, it is up and available as soon as we are done with the show. We will get to... Nick Saban's very open call in line and how much I'd imagine it sounds like fine bomb after we get to this word from Wrangler. Guys, Wrangler supports us, so you should support them. They've got jeans, shirts, and jackets that are made for the ride of life. You can be ready for cool days and long nights in styles that'll keep you warm, keep you comfortable, moving, and looking great no matter where you are. You can wear Wrangler jeans literally anywhere, at work, out at night, playing a pickup game with friends, or at home, just watching the game on your TV. They're that comfortable, they're that dirty. And there's a Wrangler shirt for every occasion. You got casual tees, snapping button-ups, or you can layer them together and get the best of both worlds. But do not forget about the iconic Wrangler jackets. When the weather starts to chill and you got to head outside, Wrangler will keep you ready for anything. So add some Wrangler to your getup with jean shirts and jackets that look great, fit great, and move great. So you're always ready for whatever life throws at you. And life's going to throw this at you. You can save 15% on your first Wrangler.com order when you use promo code GOJO15. That's G-O-J-O-1-5. Wrangler for the ride of life. Uh, guys, let's get to the ride of our lives here with this. This is the kind of ride me and dad are used to here. A thief yep. in Australia stole a truck yesterday. A woman thought she was stealing a van. Excuse me, this is on Monday. And instead ended up with thousands of Krispy Kreme's donuts in her uh, possession. The Krispy Kreme delivery van contained 10,000 donuts that was stolen from a service station in Carlington, Australia, while the driver was inside paying. The van was en route to Newcastle to deliver a variety of donuts, including Christmas-themed and classic varieties. The police are still searching for the thief. And guys, this is the beginning of a new Hallmark movie. We talked about how hard it is to break into Christmas canon. Elf did it famously over two decades ago now. This feels like time for another one, and the stolen van of Christmas donuts is absolutely where I'd like to start my holiday season, Dad. This is where you're stealing a van with 10,000 donuts in it, and you're driving it and delivering it to people who are in need right? And you're taking care of them. That's the movie, right? You're doing a good thing with it. You know what you're doing. You're going to go, you're going to go feed the needy. 10,000 donuts, which would be awesome, by oh, the way. I Come feel on. like it's more of like no, the detective. You want to feed the needy? The detective that's trying to find the van falls in love with the thief, and that's like. Well, that's a Hallmark movie. Oh. Are we talking a Hallmark movie or a Christmas yeah. movie? Yeah, Micah, Micah, Christmas Hallmark, movie. Christmas movie, it's, it's the same thing. It, it is, it is. I will give you that. But but while two people fall in love, usually there's a group of people that, that get done right by, you know, and good things happen to. So somebody's got to eat the 10,000 donuts, right? I mean... I think they're probably pretty stale at this point. So? Do you you eat pizza in the morning, cold pizza? I do. I'll eat a stale donut. uh, I don't know if this is like... This is always my thing. I don't know why you don't just microwave the pizza. Yeah. I know I like cold pizza. Like the next morning, I like cold pizza. It tastes different cold. And it's good. It does. It does. It does. It does. I don't think it tastes as good. Now, stale donuts, a different proposition. And I don't know why we have to be giving them out to people. The whole point of stealing the van is, oh, this is found donuts now. These can become mine. If anything, I'm thinking more of like a jingle all the way vibe where the goal is, hey, I'm doing this for me and everybody is chasing after me because I've got this thing that they want. I thinking true detective, but with a Christmas background and donuts as the center of the case, not some random dead body in Louisiana. The crime is the, is the, the woman wanted the van, right? She didn't know what was in it she just yeah, wanted I'm to sure she wanted man. right that to me Found makes donuts. it the christmas to makes it the christmas movie is the the crime is stealing the van and she feels she offsets the stealing of the van by feeding people and giving people in need donuts so yeah, she says i feel better about stealing the van should really be getting donuts that's really gonna see i'm hungry i'm eating a donut 
Guys, we're missing the overall point here. That van just needs to pull up to the towers from Die Hard, and now all of a sudden we can put an end to this debate very quickly here. Christmas-themed donuts, that's the only in we need. You can do whatever you want with the plot. Much like Die Hard being set during Christmas, that makes it a yeah. Christmas movie. Because we've got no. the presence of uh, Christmas-related donuts here, we are good to go. We also have to get going to that, yep. guys. Uh, and that is Jesse apparently Nick Saban having a very good, no, not very good time at all with his cell phone after the playoff announcement. Yeah, so after the playoff announcement, apparently his number got leaked somehow, and he said that he's received over 250 phone calls from people calling him saying that Alabama should not be in the playoff, leaving him messages, phone calls. I mean, obviously he's got to change his number now, but kind of his, I mean, you know, I hope nobody was making threats or saying anything awful, but it's kind of hysterical that his number got leaked and everyone's calling him being like, you shouldn't be in the playoffs, you stole a spot. I think that's hysterical. But also probably pumping him up, so maybe dangerous. I was going to say, at this point, I think everyone's got to be afraid of poking the Alabama bear a little bit too hard because while we all felt for Florida State when Alabama got in, you even saw it from the reaction of Michigan when it was getting announced, everyone's kind of like, Oh, great. Like, I have vivid memories back in the day of watching a game where we were going to vault to number one when Oregon lost to Stanford and uh, play Bama Mau, and that feels a lot less good than playing Kansas State, who I thought still, and to this day maintain, we would have beaten yeah. to the ground, and I'd be wearing yep. a big, fat national title ring. I'd imagine there's some other people in the playoff that felt similarly. We know we've heard that talked about, and that's not how you're supposed to make the decision, but yeah, Dad, be careful about poking the bear a little bit too much right now because they've been on a hot streak. I, yeah. I was just going to say, you know, in a world where people are a little more sensitive to things that are said about him, I don't think that about Nick Saban. Nick Saban will use that as fuel for his team. But you really think leaving a nasty message? And Nick Saban probably sat there and listened to those messages and was chuckling at these people. That it had zero effect that these callers think if they thought they were going to have effect an effect on Nick Saban. He had to be laughing at the saying. This dude has been living for years with everybody wishing he would lose because they were the most dominant team. Probably calling him every name in the book. He is so used to he probably got a kick out of this and will find a way to turn it in to more fuel to help his team in their game oh he's playing those voicemails for the guys there's no doubt about it yeah. this is what they think of you and we'll somehow twist this into the alabama underdog narrative go ahead and book that one jesse let's get to the third though this is a story that you have been very hot on here we grew up with the show wife swap as a uh, part of our like public digest uh i didn't think it would ever happen so literally and on such a big stage like this yeah so you guys remember amy roback tj holmes they were the co-hosts of gma3 it came out last year that they were dating and it, it came out while the public was under the impression that they were both still married. They have since revealed that they were both in the middle of, I mean, legally they were married, but they were in the middle of divorce right. proceedings when they got together, blah, blah, blah. But it was a huge scandal, okay? Everyone's freaking out. They ended up losing their jobs at GMA. They have a podcast now. But the news that came out is that their exes are now dating each other. So their ex-spouses apparently bonded over the trauma of being cheated on, even though I guess allegedly they were, again, in the middle of the divorces. And now they're dating. So we literally wife-swapped, and it's happening now. Yeah. Husband um, so too, Andrew right? Shue and Marilee Feibig are now dating. And, yeah. Dad, this is one of those things that, like, probably like you know you get it maybe you get together for a beer and a debrief afterward and things escalate a little bit i don't know how long-term healthy this feels but i wish them ah. well in this because they're on the receiving end of some bad news so As apparently they've been together for six months so i uh, uh, listen i don't know i mean i knew of this story i don't know how much the the uh, gma couple was how long they were separated, those marriages were over, how we're supposed to deal with this. It, it, it does seem like a traumatic get-together for Marilee and, and Andrew. So six months, okay, that's a while, but you, it, does it have legs? I have no idea, nor should I care, but this is where we are, right? I mean, I don't care what they do. I hope they live happily ever after. What the hell do I care? But this is, this is the news we get. Good for them. We're sorry that happened. Coming up next week yeah. <laughs> on the Kind of Golden Bachelor. Uh, if you enjoyed any of this reality gossip, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review. Leave us that five-star rating. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you tomorrow.